Our Bible reading for today is Luke chapter 19, verses 11 to 27. The parable of the ten meaners. While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you were a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take this mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine, who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a question for you all. How do you want to spend the rest of your life? Kids down here, what do you reckon? How do you want to spend the rest of your life? I reckon someone must want to be an astronaut. I, yeah, okay, <laughs> I saw a hand twitch at the back. I reckon someone must want to be in a band for the rest of their life. Yeah? No? I reckon somebody must want to raise a family and pour themselves into a lovely family. I reckon somebody must want to make a lot of money. Right. Am I hitting some notes here? Yeah? No? What do you want to do? A fireman. It's good. It's good. You may have all sorts of dreams for the rest of your life. I was talking to my niece earlier this week. She's a teenager. What do you want to do? An astronaut. You see, I knew it. What a great thing to want to be. I was talking to my niece earlier. She's in her teens. She's getting to the stage of thinking what she's going to do when she leaves school. Oh, I've forgotten how much pressure there can be on someone. You know, what, what am I going to do when suddenly I don't have to turn up here every day and I've got to make, make a decision? So she's facing some decisions about her life. I was also talking to my mum, who when she retired a few years ago, she suddenly had this big decision. What do I want to do? I might have 20 years here of time to choose what to do. What do I do with it? For her, she read a little book by a pastor called John Piper, and it was called Don't Waste Your Life. And it was very significant for her as a Christian because she thought, right, I, I don't actually want to waste 20 years of my life, so let's think about how to spend it. 
And in the Bible today, Jesus tells this incredible story about some servants. And some of them wasted their life. And some of them used it really wisely. So you interested in using your life really wisely for God? I am. Should we look at what, what makes the difference between a servant who uses their life wisely and a servant who just wastes it? Well, let's dive in. We're in Luke's, Luke's Gospel, it's chapter 19. If you've got it in front of you, then by all means keep it open, or you might just want to listen really carefully. Luke's Gospel, it's called the Parable of the Ten Meaners. And um, in a nutshell, I'm going to try and say this to you in our all-age time together. King Jesus expects our lives to be about waiting for him and welcoming him. Okay? There's an element of waiting and there's an element of welcoming. And I'll try and tell you what I think is going on there. It's a bit surprising in bits. You might have noticed that there's some interesting things that Jesus has got to say. So we'll work through that too. Verse 11 is where it all starts, right? While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He's probably still sitting in Zacchaeus' house. Remember a few weeks ago when we were last in this section of Luke's Gospel, Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house. He's probably still at the dining table. While he was saying these things, some people thought, oh, the kingdom of God's going to appear at once. Some people thought that the kingdom of God, you know, if you, if you put Jesus, the Messiah, in Jerusalem, then poof, that's like vinegar and baking powder. You know, poof, amazing things are going to happen. And Jesus is actually saying, hold on, guys. Uh, the kingdom of God is not going to appear at once. Not in the way you think. Because I'm a pastor, people sometimes say to me, why doesn't God make himself more obvious? Have you ever wondered that? Like, why, why isn't God more obvious if he's asking me to believe in him? At times like that, for what it's worth, I love to talk about CBC. So um, C, creation, Bible, Christ. So I love to talk about creation. If you live on planet Earth, if you've ever seen a bird in flight, if you've ever drunk a glass of water and you've thought, it's amazing that there is so much water. This is exactly what my human body needs. If you've ever woken up and seen a sunrise, then there is, there's a lot of evidence for God. You know, there's this amazing world that we live in. So creation, um, Bible, God has made himself really plain in the Bible. So the apostles and prophets have been sent down the centuries to tell us what God says. So if you've ever heard anything from the Bible, then actually God has made himself plain to you. Creation, Bible, and Christ. I mean, this is the best one of all. God took on skin, zipped himself into, into a human skin so that we could know what God is like. So when people ask me, you know, why doesn't God make himself more obvious? I love to talk to them about creation and Bible and Christ. However, today, if you notice, Jesus just puts the brakes on a little bit and he says, um, guys, the kingdom of God is not going to appear all at once. I'm not going to get to Jerusalem and then ta-da, you know, it's not going to be like the Strictly Come Dancing final. Actually, it's, it's going to be much slower than you think. And then he tells this story to try and draw this out. So let's, let's think about this story, shall we? Verse 12, he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Now, ideally at this point, I need 10 volunteers. 
Would, it, would, would anybody be willing? I'm going to give you a pound and you have to sit there. Okay, so as volunteering goes, it's... Yeah, there you go, okay. It's, it's kind of good as the volunteering task goes. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, anybody else? Thank you very much. Okay, uh, some more. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, guys. Here we go. Anybody else? Okay, yeah. There we are. There we go. Got it? Whoop, don't let it go. Okay. I'm sorry if you're behind me and I haven't seen you that. These guys were just keenest. Anybody? I've got two pounds left. Who, oh, there we go. Well done, guys. There we are. Right, so in the story, the master says, ten servants, one mina each. A mina was a Greek unit of currency. Here's your money. But, now, if I've given you a pound, you can keep it. It's your pound. But I would like to think about, if I was to invest this money, how would I make more money from it? Okay? That's your mental, mental challenge. It's your money. You can keep it. But if you were going to try and make more money from it, what would you do? For me, because I had time to think about this, I thought, ooh, I might go and buy a sponge, and I would wash in people's cars. And then I think they would give me some money, and I could make more money from the pound. Hmm. Or another idea I had, I thought, I could buy some shoe polish. I could stand outside the station and I could polish people's shoes and I reckon, I reckon they would give me some money and then I could make more money. Or, I could, or third idea I had, I thought I could buy some seeds. And if I planted the seeds and I managed to grow it, then I reckon it would produce something, fruit, vegetables, something, that I could sell. Get the idea? Okay, so you, you have a think. With, with you and your pound, ten volunteers, what would you do? That's the story so far. They're kind of familiar. You might have heard this story in the Bible before because it's quite a famous one. But there's a twist in this, this version in Luke's gospel because Jesus says in verse 14, the king goes off to a distant country to be, the, the guy goes off to a distant country to be made king. So let's imagine I'm this fella and I'm going to go to this distant country over by the front doors to be made king king okay it's not so random as it sounds because in those days um, the Romans ruled and if you wanted to be king of the Jews then you had to go to Rome and you had to ask Caesar Augustus please can I be the king of those people over there and he he had the final call so it's not as weird as it sounds so um, here I go I'm going off to my distant country to make king but the twist is verse 14 his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say we don't want this man to be our king Which is very awkward, isn't it? <laughs> well, they actually sent a, de- a delegation, a group of people after him, and said, we don't want that guy as our king, so don't let it happen. The trouble is for you, Katie, the man was made king, and he came back to his hometown. This actually happened too. So in the year 4 BC... This guy, king of the Jews, called Archelaus, you can look him up, he went to Rome, asked, um, what was his name, or, um, Octavian Caesar, can I be king? He said, all right then, but a group, of, a group of 50 Jewish people went after him and said, not my king, we don't want this guy. Um, so I think Jesus is riffing on that here. You're going to be important in this story, so we'll have to come back to you. Would you like to sit down for now? In the meantime, it says... He was made king, and when he came back from his long journey, he called together his servants, okay? So his, you remember the, he'd given the money out? So he called together the servants. Let's see how they got on with their money, shall we? Um, William, you had a pound, didn't you? Do you want to come up? 
How did it go? Ten more. Ten more? Whoa, look at that. Wow. How did you? So you took the one pound and you made ten more pounds? Outstanding. Well done, my good servant. I mean, that is a 1,000% increase on my investment. That is outstanding. You have been trustworthy in this small matter with a pound. So I'm going to give you something big to take care of. William, here are the keys to some cities. How would you like to look after London? And Cardiff, and Belfast, and Edinburgh, and Glasgow, and Manchester, and Exeter, and New York, and where else would you like? Paris, Los Angeles, and Washington DC. There you go. Well done. Outstanding. Who else did I give money to? Um, Sarah, you had a pound, didn't you? How'd you get on? So your Mina has earned five more. Five more. Well, that's a good return. Look at that, five pounds. Thank you for the one that I gave you. You've been trustworthy, so um, I'm going to give you some cities to look after. How would you like um, Paris? Yeah, good. And Rome? Uh, Istanbul, Tokyo, and Rio de Janeiro. Is that okay? You look after them for me. Thank you very much, my good servant. And um, let's see, Hugo, I gave you a pound. How did you get on? So here's a, he's put my pound in a cloth. There it is. Oops. And um, this is what you did, is it? So you kept it in a cloth and you're giving it back to me. You wicked servant. Why, if you knew I was a hard man and I like a return on my investment, why didn't you put it in the bank? And then I would have had one pound five pence or something instead of just one pound. Take this Mina, I want you to give it to Will, who has ten. And you're lucky to escape with your life. Sir, he already has ten. I know. You all started with nothing, and I've been generous to you all. But you did the wrong thing. Off you go. Oh dear, oh dear. Do you hear what he said? Do you hear that okay? So he gave me my Mina in a cloth. And he didn't do anything with it. He wasted the money and the time that I'd given him. Now that's sad, isn't it? Actually, in the story, do you notice the Hugo character, the, um, the, the third servant, he escapes with his life. But he gets a telling off. There is actually this other character who gets an even worse verdict. And that's the Katie character. Katie, what did you say to me? Yes, so you didn't want me to be king, did you? But then I came back, and I am king. And in the story, do you notice what happens to this character? They get killed. Katie, off you go. 
Okay, well, that's an awkward end, isn't it? I mean, what, what do you do with a story like that, Jesus? I thought Jesus was kind to everybody, and then he goes and drops something like that. I mean, that's the end of the story. Let's have a think about it, shall we? Just before we finish, that's the story as it is. There are two things that I think we learned from this story, okay? I told you it was about um, waiting and about welcoming. So let's try and touch on both of them. Firstly, the story is about waiting. Do you remember why Jesus told the story? It's because he, 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 some people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once with, with wow and pizzazz. And he said, hold on, guys, hold on, wait. Can you do something for me? Where you're sitting, can you stomp your feet? Can you do that? Very good. Now, can we do it in time? Ready? Oh, good. Right. And now, can you do it as fast as possible? Go. Okay, stop. Jesus is saying, actually, the kingdom of God is going to be not so much like running as fast as you possibly can. It's going to be a bit more like plodding, just stomping slowly along the way until Jesus returns. Okay? It, it's, he's trying to slow us down and put the brakes on a little bit. So it's a bit more like a plod. I've been reminding myself recently, actually, if I just plod for God until Jesus returns or until I die, that's a good, that's a good life. I'm just going to keep trying to make progress bit by bit. If you don't, if you, try and, you know, if you try and live your Christian life that way, then A, you'll get really tired and exhaust yourself, and B, you have what's called an over-realized eschatology. Mm, okay, okay, take that one home with you. Over-realized eschatology. Eschatology means the last times in the Bible, okay? So that's when Jesus returns. If you've got an over-realized sense of the last times, an over-realized eschatology, then you tend to think everything is going to be now. So all the healings are going to be now. All the power of the kingdom of God is going to be now. Um, we may as well have resurrection now because I want, I want all the eschatology, all the last times now. So you're trying to pull everything forward that is promised in the Bible for one day. Do you get the idea? So you've got an over-realized sense of that. And that might lead to you thinking, oh, all right, well, why, why, why am I seeing more results, more spectacle now? Whereas Jesus is saying, slow down, plod for God, the king will return but it's just not going to be today in, in this story. So it's about waiting. But secondly, it's also about welcoming. I don't know about you, but I love Jesus. I love Jesus being the king. And I'm particularly looking forward, when he does come again as king, I just want to show him a couple of things that I tried to do for him. I mean, for me, I don't know what it would be for you, for me, I really look forward to showing him my family and my church. I just, love to, I just love to show him those people and say, look, Lord, here is what I try to do. I try to lead these people towards you and towards the kingdom of God. So here they all are. Hard for me to talk about with them without emotion. What would it be for you when you welcome Jesus for the last time? My new hero, by the way, is the second, the second servant, you know, the, the one that Sarah played. The, second, you know, the first one sort of makes a thousand percent profit, and I'm thinking, how, how do you even do that? That's, that's unattainable. But the second servant is just slightly more realistic. Just made five more minas over a long period of time. So I really like that character as a way of showing me, do you know what, Pete? Just plod on. Just keep going. Just see what you can do with your life. And in the long run, I think the Holy Spirit could use you. So maybe the second servant is an encouragement to you as well. 
for what it's worth, you know that we, we did the, the first servant, the second servant, and the third servant um, that uh, Hugo played. The third servant escapes with his life. And I think there's something there. For, what, I think what that means is in the Bible, they're the kind of person who in 1 Corinthians 3, if you know it, they are saved. So I think that servant is a Christian because they believe in Christ, but they just didn't do anything with their life. So in 1 Corinthians 3, it says they, they built with useless materials and it's like the fire just burned up everything that they, that they did in life. So they get saved, they get to heaven, but they've got, they've got nothing useful that they did for Jesus while they were on earth. So I think that's what's going on there. But the emphasis in the story is not ultimately on how much they made, it's about whether they wanted Jesus as king or not. Um, Katie, one last time. Do you want to just come up and join me here before our time is finished? Because Katie's sign says, not my what? King, right. Now, has anyone still got their Bible open? How many times, can someone tell me out loud, how many times does it say king or kingdom in today's Bible reading? King or kingdom? Three, we're saying it's actually more than three. What do you reckon? Four, I'm, see, I'm seeing five at the back. Exactly five, yeah. King or kingdom, five times. You see that? And particularly at the end, do you see how Jesus comes back to this king idea? He wants to say at the end of the passage, what about that person who didn't want me to be king? Those people. So he brings up this whole idea of not my king all over again. So Jesus wants to talk about um, whether we've welcomed him as king. This actually, this was a big deal recently. Do you remember last, last year? Do you remember when King Charles was crowned? And then we had proper, proper protests like this. Do you get wind of that? Not my king, they said. So I didn't make it up. I, I stole it from them. And people were in the streets saying, not my king, because they didn't want King Charles to be king. Now totally up to them, I don't mind them, their, their politics is their business. But in, in God's universe, he's got one king and he reigns over everybody. So you can't ultimately get away with saying, not my king, because one day the king returns and he'll have a reckoning. I think this takes the pressure off. By the way, it, it, it ultimately means that the story is not about how much money did you make? You know, are you a good Christian capitalist? or something? Did you get a really good return? I think this means that what Jesus is ultimately interested in is did you welcome me as king? Which is something we can all do. Simple. Last week we were here at church and um, <clears throat> we had a story about India. Um, this, I realize this is for the adults. So kids, we were learning about India with our time with Ed preaching. And he told us about villages in India where people don't necessarily know Jesus yet. And on the WhatsApp group that he was talking about, he told me about Anya. Now, Anya, she's 16, and she's Indian. And um, someone came to her village, and they did, get this, a five-hour evangelistic Bible study. <laughs> and um, she, she went to it and became a Christian. And she thought, wow, this is great. Jesus sounds fantastic. I'll put my trust in him. So she started saying, Jesus is my king. The trouble was that in Anya's village, it's pretty rare for anyone to be a Christian. I mean, almost nobody was. So um, the village elders, the chiefs of the village, they got wind of it and they didn't like it. And they said, you have to stop this. You, you, people aren't Christians in our village. And she said, but, but I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. They said, you can't. They put pressure on her parents. And they said, you must stop your daughter from being a Christian. They said, okay, we'll try. But she wouldn't. It got so bad that um, they put pressure on her parents to just feed her one meal a day. So Anya was getting one meal a day, 
made her very hungry. And even in that meal, they mixed in this, this bitter oil. So make it, they made it disgusting. And still, she said over the course of two years, but I want Jesus to be my king. I want to be a Christian. And she's, I mean, she's still going. She's, she's carrying on. And um, Ed's organization, 500K, they're trying to help her and support people like her to, to just keep being Christians and following Jesus. Isn't that amazing? But she's a good example of what it means. You know, actually, people, they welcome Jesus as their king. They want to have him as their king, but not everyone likes it. <clears throat> Maybe you know what this means. You know, um, plenty of people in, in our country, they use Jesus Christ as a swear word. Have you heard people do that? Yes. And they'll, say, they'll say Jesus' name, they'll say it in a, a way that shows that they don't love him. They just, use, they just throw out his name whenever something bad happens as a curse. But they're showing that they don't have Jesus as their king. Sometimes people say, oh my God. Have you heard people say that? And um, they sh- when they, the way they say that shows that actually he's not their God. They just use that as a, as, a, as a curse or a negative thing. I don't think for a Christian, I would ever want to hear a, a Christian use Jesus Christ's name or their God's name in that negative way. So can I encourage you to don't do that. I know other people do it, but Jesus isn't their king. But for you, if you belong to Jesus, you use his name in a precious way because he's your king. That's just one example. I'm sure you can think of other ways in which pe- people show that they don't belong to Christ, but, but for you, you do. I think actually in, in the story, Katie's here as my visual aid. Thank you, Katie. The, even the way Jesus constructs the story shows how unpopular uh, it might be to follow Jesus. So you've got this delegation, this group of people who go after saying, we don't want this guy as our king. And yet, you notice in the background, there are a couple of servants just quietly, just getting on with it. Just taking their meaner. You know, I'm, I, oh, I, I can hear the noise. I know people don't like being Christians in this city, but I'm just gonna get on with it. I'm just gonna put this money to work. I'm just gonna invest my life for Jesus. And he gets back in the end and says, well done. And for you, maybe you feel the heat. You know, maybe it's unpopular. Maybe you can hear all the people saying this Christian way of life is ridiculous. You just, you just quietly get on with it. Brothers and sisters, how will you spend your life? Can I urge you to spend it doing as much good as you can with the gifts God has given you? Maybe he didn't make you wealthy. Maybe he didn't make you as beautiful as other people. I don't know. Maybe he didn't make you as sporty as the other people. Maybe he didn't make you as good at business or the brainiest person in the class. That's okay. I mean, he knows exactly what he gave you. He's not going to be surprised and say, I I expected more from you than this. But if you can welcome him as as king and do what you can, then that's going to be a wonderful return for you. Just before you tell me it's unfair, you know, what, what about the negative stuff? What about the subject that gets killed? Someone tell me, where is Jesus on his way to? Well done, Jerusalem. And what happens when he gets to Jerusalem? They wave palm leaves at him, and then a week later, what happens to Jesus? Well done, he gets crucified. So Jesus... Do you see, Jesus ends up getting treated like the wicked servant. Jesus ends up having people say to him, in front of everybody, bring that guy here and let's kill him in front of us. Jesus gets treated exactly the way that he talked about. And he, 
He did it for you. He, he didn't waste his life for you. So you in return, how about not wasting it for him? Let's pray. Father God, we pray. We don't want to waste our lives. We, we love Jesus. We love having him as our king. And Lord, with whatever you've given us, we pray that we might spend it for your glory. Our gifts, our talents, the education you've given us, the relationships and the networks that we're involved in, our involvement in this church or in other churches. Lord, would you please use it for good? And we would, we would love to make a return on your investment, Father. And above all, we want to welcome Jesus as King. For we ask it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.